I'm Anastasia, and this is Vibrant Life Unlocked. Here we have intimate and insightful conversations about everything that makes life more vibrant. The energy, the power, the adventure to look at life with a fresh perspective, while giving you the support to develop a method and strategy to live life to its fullest. This is Vibrant Life Unlocked. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Vibrant Life Unlocked. Today's guest is a very special woman. She has a superpower. She can turn you into a stand-up comedian. Or if you're not quite ready to change your career just yet, she can make you exponentially funnier. Christy Buckley is an accomplished stand-up comic from Denver, Colorado. She's also director of stand-up at Rice Comedy right here in Denver, Christy made a name for herself by sharing a heart-wrenching and hilariously raw realities of being a woman with a disability. Christy has been described as brave for leaving the house in that body, <laughs> funny despite what she talks about, and uncomfortable by Christy's old mom. Along with performing, being featured in many venues, and opening for numerous well-known acts, Christy's passion is to empower young comics to hit the stage running and to tell their stories with confidence. Please welcome to the podcast, Christian. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I haven't podcasted in a while, so this will be good. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, this is my second episode, so I haven't been podcasting for a while as well, right? Totally so good. <laughs> we'll make it through together. <laughs> exactly. Well, I would like to start with this quote that I found, and it's by Irma Bambach. There is a thin line that separates laughter and pain, comedy and tragedy, humor and hurt. I absolutely think that's true. We have a saying in comedy, like comedy is just what happens to you on the way to getting what you want. And the difference that becomes like if you're writing a pilot or something like a comedy pilot or a drama pilot, really the biggest difference between comedy and drama is that is the presence of hope. Okay. So as long as you don't give up hope and you keep striving for what you want, even if you're not successful, that is comedy. If you give up hope, that's when it becomes a drama all of a sudden. So I think that is true in real life, even along with like scripts and joke writing and any type of writing, the presence of hope is the biggest difference. And so, yeah, I think the line is super thin and some days you do give up hope, uh, <laughs> Just for the day, though, like I'm like, I'm going to bed and then my day becomes sort of a tragedy. But then the next day I try to bring that hope back. So, yeah, <laughs> I love it. So you kind of you conscious like, OK, do I have hope? Because I feel like there's too it's too tragic right now. My life is way too much drama and tragedy. I need to bring up hope back. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that that is the only thing that keeps me going sometimes. And I do think that uh, Obama put a lot of pressure on that word hope, but it really is just hoping that like, or just assuming almost that tomorrow can be better uh, is what I try to do. From your perspective as a comic, like, like we talked about, it's such a thin line, right? So mm -hmm. from your perspective, can you talk about like what living a vibrant life means to you? Whenever someone asks questions like this to me, I really get a picture of, of before I lived this life that I really love. 
Um, and don't get me wrong, it's not perfect. I still deal with my mental health. I am so tired. <laughs> I lack work-life balance. I'm sure we'll get to that um, later. But I do know that when I was younger, uh, just out of college, I went to school to be a history teacher, to teach high school history. And at that time, it was after like the 2008 economy crash. So there was no teaching jobs whatsoever in 2010, 2011. So I was out there trying to become a teacher for the first time, no experience. And there was about a thousand applicants for every one teaching job. It was like wild. And I applied everywhere and I never got a job. And then I, my sister happened to be working at a for-profit school, higher education. And so she had gotten me a job there and I was thinking, oh, I'll go get my master's while I wait for the economy to sort of turn around. And I also just had this idea in my mind and I, I grew up kind of poor. So that's part of it for sure. But I definitely was very focused on money in a way that was probably the least vibrant way you could uh, live. But I just had this idea of what the secure job was and what I really like, what's the right thing to do as an adult. So I got this corporate job that paid pretty good for being just out of college and it had good benefits and things like that. And then I kept getting laid off from those types of jobs. I got laid off three times in the first two years of being out of college because that's just how the economy was. But at that whole time, comedy was still there for me. I definitely was not good enough to be making a ton of money uh, doing it or supporting myself like I am now. But it definitely did keep showing up for me in a way that like this idea of the the good job, the responsible job, the secure job was not doing. And I just remember sitting at my desk. So eventually I did get hired on out of school they had already laid me off. They hired me back. And I just spent two years being miserable, like in a cubicle and just, I mean, the pressure to like sell. I was kind of a sales position and just like uh, how unhappy I was in that place. I just remember dreaming about like the day I would not have a day job <laughs> and I could do comedy. And there were so many, there was not a lot of my friends, but there were a few of them that were at least making enough money. No offense to men, but your standard of living is much lower because you don't have to worry about safety issues. So a lot of my male comic friends that when I was younger could get away with not having a day job as much because they would like sleep on a beanbag chair in a, some, a corner or something and it wouldn't matter. But for me, I was like, oh, I have to actually pay my bills. And so <laughs> I really like hung on to that idea of the secure job and I just remember feeling so, I mean, I was, I was depressed. I was miserable. I was drinking a ton because that's what my, all my coworkers did because we hated our jobs. But it was that like, you know, you have your key card to your corporate job and you have health insurance and it's down. You're doing the right, you're doing the right thing, right? Yes, exactly. This is like, yes, I'm depressed, but this is adulthood. At what point you realize you know what? I'm done with doing yeah. the right thing. I want to do my thing. Yeah. So I had made a promise to myself in 2013 that if I loved comedy as much as I did, then I would quit my day job. If, and I, if I loved it in five years, as much as I love it right now, I'd quit my day job and 
you know, really make a go of it, making it my full-time job. Well, the universe was like, that's too long. You can't wait that long. And so I actually got, I got fired because my attitude was bad to say the least. And at that point, I just took that time on unemployment to really pare down my bills. I moved in with an ex-boyfriend. Like that's how desperate I was to be like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Was that tragic for you? (laughs) It was a little like, mostly it was tragic because he was a hoarder, not because of our relationship or anything, but he's like such a good friend of mine now. But it was definitely like, what am I doing? Because I was going from like living on my own in my own apartment to like living with this like barely functioning adult man but the rent was so cheap and it's like you gotta do it right now until you can do better and I did every odd job in the game just to like stay afloat I had a good friend of mine give me an office manager job that was very flexible he was a musician in Denver and he'd gone on tour a bunch so and we went to high school together so he knew he also knew like comedy's the thing I'm pursuing that's the most important thing and that's okay and he let room for that happen I mean I did I floated around that until I got the job at Rice to be able to teach so I think I had an idea of what a vibrant life looked like after I had given the the like secure day job the time of day and I think a long time ago, I realized, which I think a lot of people realized during COVID, was that every job is temporary. Every job is temporary. So there's no need to like kill yourself to keep this one. Like there's other ones out there and there's other ones like that you're actually meant to do that. You just have to like listen to that feeling in your stomach. Like I think I spent a whole three years of just my stomach feeling sick because I was literally going against what the universe was like wanting for me to do. And as soon as I uh, stopped fighting that direction and went the way I was supposed to go, oh man, it just all got so much better. So so for you, like that kind of change in point, uh, living a vibrant life, you try to live what someone will consider the right life, but you you felt the opposite of vibrant. You felt terrible. And you said, you know yes. what? I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity and it's so much uncertainty. I'm not going to, I'll try it. Maybe like I'm at the lowest point, but let's give it a go. And so when you started living your life yeah. authentically, you started listening to mm-hmm. that voice. That's when your life yes. became more vibrant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Somebody kind of asked me recently, they're like, how do you, like, what's your religion or something. I don't know what they were asking exactly, but it kind of reminds me of this, especially with vibrancy is all about, you know, bright and shiny and just like luminous luminescence and stuff. But the way that I sort of look at how I listen to the universe is in video games, which I'm actually not like a big video games person by any means. But I do remember this one time I was playing a video game with one of my ex-boyfriends or something. And I was like, how do you know like where to go? Like, I don't understand. It was just like this big, like, maze of things. And I was always, like, going the wrong way. And I didn't know where to go. And he's like, actually, like, the video game gives you, like, sort of visual cues to where if you follow the brightness, like, the light, they use light shining through this, like, old castle or whatever to kind of highlight where you should go. So it was like, to me, that was really like, oh, like, that's just how you have to live your life is like, follow the light. It's almost like a moth. Uh, But that's as soon as I like went towards the things that were bright and like hopeful and 
like felt good to me, that's when things changed. Even if like logically and financially that didn't necessarily make sense, I was trying my very, very best to follow that light anyways. Yeah. And your voice and your light and just being you, unapologetically you. So many people, Christy, they say, oh, you, you've done stand-up comedy. Oh my gosh, this is so scary. And I always, I think about you. I was like, you know what? It's scary, right? It's scary because English is not my native language. Yeah. So there is, there is that layer. But I think ultimately, like who is really fearless? Like you, because not you are there with a disability, okay? Like how, at what point, like even being on stage, like did you have that you kind of struggle? How did you go through that? I think that this also reminds me of, you know, like my, I remember my grandma when I was younger, she's like, you got to, you didn't brush your hair or you're not wearing nice clothes or something. And I was like, grandma, if people are looking at me, they're not, they're looking at my feet. They don't care about what I'm wearing, like not paying attention to that at all, which is fortunate and and unfortunate in a lot of ways. But I think I was used to at least people like staring at me from a young age. Kids are terrible. But I also just had this like overwhelming need to tell my story myself rather than people just seeing how I walk and assuming things about me. I think that was the worst part of it. And um, I also, growing up with my parents, you know, who did, you know, the best they could, there was just, we were not talking about my disability unless we were talking about how to fix it. Like it was something wrong. We got to fix it. It's something wrong. Let's fix this. And otherwise we did, weren't talking about it. There was no positive. There was no laughter around it. And so it actually just showed me like comedy just gave me an outlet to like talk about it the way that I wanted to talk about it and give me language. I mean, I'm still struggling with finding the language to even talk about it as if it's not a problem, which is something I'm really trying to like get past of thinking as disability as this like problem rather than that is wrong or is less than rather than just a some circumstance. We all have circumstances that are in our way, right? And I, this one is not worse. It's not sadder. It's not, yeah, it's, I'm trying really hard to like get past that, like, oh, having a disability is a bad thing. It's like you're rewriting the story that your parents, like when Mm -hmm. growing up, they kept telling you over and over and over and over and over again, right? And now as an adult, you have to reparent yourself. And you say, you know what? Yes. I am special. I am different. You different. We all have something, you know, let's let's talk about it. Let's learn from each other. And like, this is amazing that in a way that being there on stage, like you had to go so far, like to be able to share Mm -hmm. your story and hopefully like inspire other people, you know, like everybody has something. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody does have something. And I do hope I inspire people, but on the other end of it, part of me is like railing against that thing of like, no, like it's not inspiring. Like it's not inspiring. Like, cause I, I have to still just get up and be successful like you. And it's not inspiring that I did it just because I walked differently than you know. It's like this sort of thing. I'm trying to like that my own mental, that's my own mental like beliefs I have to get past. But it's almost like in my mind, I want to be like, I want to share with them like, no, it's not necessarily 
I do want to inspire a change in people's thinking, but almost to where they're not thinking that everything I do is inspiring just because I did it. Right. So it's sort of like, no, like I can be a jerk just like you <laughs> is like half of my comedy. I feel like just trying to realize like everything yeah. that I do bad is not exactly. As you don't want to be just branded. I am a comedian who has a disability. Like yes. you are so multidimensional. Like you yeah. are saucy and dark and innocent. There's so much to Christy Buckley. Uh-huh. And I think this is what you help your students to discover, you know, when you like, don't kind of put yourself in a little box. Don't create this little brand yes. that you only this, right? Just bring yourself, bring your real authentic yourself. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about your students, like, can you give us an idea? Like, who are these people? What are, What is like the youngest and the oldest students that you've ever had? Oh, man, I think that my youngest student is a Well, I've taught actually high school students. I think 14 is probably the youngest student that I've had. And then the oldest, I believe, I know his name. His name's Bob Belmain. I love him. He's amazing. But I think he's 82. Wow. He was my oldest student. And he was like killing it at life harder than I ever have still, you know? So Talk was about vibrant at 82. Yeah, he was hitting like 10 p.m. open mics. I was like, I can't believe this, Bob. What are you doing? And he had like an active like social life. He's like, I can't. I have a party to go to and stuff. You're like, oh my gosh. So yeah, I think 80, 81 is, is the oldest student that I had. So that full range of any age gender, orientation, ability, race, obviously, like anything, like they have taken my class and I have learned so much from, and I've had over like 350 students at this point. So I've had a lot of people and I feel like I learned from everybody just as much as they learned from me, I hope at least. So I love watching people sort of just like develop into like this more literally more vibrant person just because I asked them what is important to you and let's talk about it. And they were like, what? <laughs> Nobody's asked me that in so long. I love that in our very first lesson, that was a while back, but uh, I remember you said, write a list of things that you care about. We mm-hmm. don't want to just talk about whatever, or something that is trendy or just because yeah. other people think it's funny. We want to make jokes about what you what is important to you? Yes. It's the very first thing I have you guys do as you sit down to class. It's like, yes. as we're waiting for me to struggle with technology for like the first 20 minutes of class, as I usually do, and everybody's coming in, like, that's the first question, which is, what do you write a list of things you care about? And it can be big, it can be small, doesn't matter, but that is where you start. Yeah. And a lot of people, it really surprised me how many people especially mothers struggled with that question because they had not had the opportunity to think about it in so long. So so people, your students who come to uh, Rice Comedy, can you tell me like, are they kind of like that 82 year old student? Are they vibrant or they're in a dark place and they think, oh. you know what, I just want to come. Or maybe they just bored. It's like my life. Yeah. I have no hobbies. I don't even know yeah. who I am. And there are so many reasons uh, that people have taken my class. A big one is like, I just got divorced and I just want to like do this thing for me and feel my own power. And I love that one. Um, I've had a lot of people be referred to my class for therapy. 
by their therapist, which has been awesome. I think it's more for them to just like get over anxiety and also like be social and make friends. I have a ton of people who take my class because they just moved here and everybody in Denver just moved here and they just want to meet people and do something fun. I would say only like 10 to 15% are like, I want to do comedy for a living. Like I just didn't know how to start. And then I've had somebody take it because she was like, I don't understand humor. I don't, I don't really laugh. I don't get it. And I I was like, that one's tough. I don't know how to... (laughs) (laughs) That was a really tough one. And then I've had other people that, you know, actually I didn't know. I think I did know just based off feeling their energy in class, but they didn't come right out and say like, no, I'm in a dark place. Like, I don't know what else to do sort of thing. But I have had, you know, which is really rewarding in my own mind wants to discredit, I guess. I'm like, no, not certainly not. But I've had a lot, I've had a few students come up to me like, no, you like this literally like saved my life. Like I was so depressed. I was so miserable. Saved my marriage, saved my life, saved my life. And I was like, man, that's awesome. Thank you so much for not telling me that at the beginning. That would have been a lot of pressure. Uh, but I've definitely. I, I'm, I'm here, so I'm in such a bad place. Please change my life. Yes, yes. That would be, I mean, whenever, even when they say it's like for therapy reasons, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, uh, but I've had people come up to me afterwards. Um, and I even had a student's mom, who my student is. The student was older than me, I think, but, and so the mom was like in her seventies, she came up to me after a show, she's bawling. And she was like, you've given my daughter a voice for the first, more than I ever did in the 37 years I've been her mom in this six weeks. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was like, thank you so much. And I, yeah, just for me, it's really natural to just be vulnerable about everything. And I think part of that is because my disability is on the outside. I can't hide it. There's nothing like I can't hide it. It's not, I can't even hang on to being ashamed or embarrassed about it. I just have to like, I've had to let it go just to like survive this life. And so for me, it's like, there's almost nothing you can do or say or share that is like too much or not appropriate or anything like I just get it out of your body onto the page, at least, if not into the microphone. Yeah. And you had to do your own work, you know, just to be able to share your story. But you are here to help your students. You're going to be guiding them and developing it. And it's for some people, it's a story. For some people, it's becoming a better editor, eloquent speaker. Mm -hmm. Like I said, anytime now I go to an event, I want to rewrite the script because you taught us so much how to do it. And I also think like a very simple tip, and maybe you can share your tip, like my tip from Mm -hmm. comedy, it was don't just be grateful for things, you know, kind of like at the end of the day in my five minute gratitude journal, like I am grateful. But I also started writing what was really funny, what made me laugh today. And it's such... It's, you know, like, and looking back through the journal, you're like, oh, I forgot about that. That was hilarious. And just like really putting your mind, especially during such dark times as right now, Mm -hmm. but like trying so hard, like to find the humor, to find something fun. I think it's powerful. And according to Mayo Clinic, I'm not a medical professional, but it literally increases oxygen intake to your organs. It increases the immune system. They're like the benefits, like longevity, like it is insane. So 
like, that's why we need to go to comedy shows. Now we don't even have yeah. to wear masks, finally, right? So yes. there's, it's it's Ugh. like this free therapy. It's, it is. It's it is in so many ways. I think there are certain people that are in a part place in their life where maybe they're in too much pain still to laugh. And I hope that they, those are ones that are like offended every second and I, and it triggers them. And I'm not saying their experience is not real by any means, but I do think maybe they have to like start humor on a much more safer uh, level as opposed to like a stand-up comic that can get pretty rough. So I, I've definitely seen that, but you can get that from, you know, any type of thing that is silly to you. It doesn't have to be, it could be like a YouTube clip. It doesn't have to be stand-up necessarily, but yeah, I think that's a great thing to say, like what made me laugh today. I'm such a lucky person that I get to be in a job where I laugh all the time. I wonder if it has killed my sense of being able to laugh and humor sometimes. Like, you know, like I'm j- I've become that jaded comic a little bit where I'm like, that's not funny. No, they think they're funny. That's not funny. <laughs> and I have to like, but that's partly why I love teaching is because my students remind me like, hey, this is really scary. This is really exciting. This is like, so, like to get a laugh, like, and be able to in- incite that into it in a whole group of hundreds of people. Like, wow, that really is amazing. And you can kind of forget how magical that is. But when I see my students, you know, like uh, panicking right before they got on stage for that first, that's like my favorite time. Cause I'm like this, I couldn't express to them how unimportant this is, but it's so important. <laughs> it is, it's so important to them, but also it's a comedy show. This is not, not, it can't be, but it is. And so I love the dichotomy of that. And it just renews my like love for comedy and also realizing like how rebirth it's a rebirth you know every time you have a showcase and christy you give so much and being a comic being there on stage like you have to give and give and give that energy you know so when i ask you to do the vibrant life scan that's my little tool that Mm -hmm. i developed I was like, I have no idea what Christie's results are going to be. So yes. when you look and thank you for being very raw, you know, you, sure. you just real answer. So thank you. And is there anything that surprised you when you were doing that vibrant life scan? Sometimes I don't think of aspects of that as a vibrant life. I think I do focus a lot, a lot on career as part of my vibrant life and I will neglect other parts of it. And so I think the biggest thing was how it just like reminded me like, oh yeah, all these other things you got to do too. And so I think more than that, it was just like a reminder that like, oh, these actually do like equate to happiness if you pay attention to them. And I will tend to like ignore definite facets of my life before then. So I think that was the surprising part. As far as my answers go, uh, not surprising. Obviously, I knew that uh, in my head. But yeah, I think that was just the biggest thing is where you're, rem- you're think you kind of think of it like is like your romantic relationships, your friendships and your work. And like, that's the only thing you really like think about as far as vibrant life, right? But yep. there's so many other things. So many I- elements. You know, looking at your results, like, what would you like to do less for living like more vibrant life? And what would you like to do more? I would like to, um, man, I do need to get better at setting boundaries with work because 
advanced stage. Like when you're a brand new comic and you really want to do this for your job, you take any and all stage time you can get, right? You'll do anything. And then you get to a certain point where you are making, you are getting booked a lot. You have a lot of stage time and you don't necessarily need to do all these gigs, but your men, your mental state is still like, take whatever work you can get sort of thing. And so the biggest thing I wish I could do is, and I have gotten better. Um, definitely wish that I could work a little less and make room for a romantic life. God forbid. It's a really hard life to have a relationship in. That would be the thing that would, honestly, that's the thing in my life that I would most like to do. I, I quit drinking this year. I don't. Uh, drink anymore. Thank you. And that's been, and maybe that's not permanent, but it will be at least for this year. And so that was a big thing that like I felt was taking up too much time and energy in my life. And I was like, you're never going to find room for a relationship if this is still in your life. I could just tell like that's, you're going to get stuck. So far, removing alcohol has not brought a man into my life, but it's not hurting my chances by any means. So I wish that, uh, yeah, I do think that I got to that point. Like I, I strove for my career career for so long and I do have my dream job now. Money's coming in as long as COVID stays well. And I wish I could work a little bit more on those like relationships. And I follow you on Instagram. So I know all your Bumble updates. I know I see them. And here is my suggestion, if you're willing to take it. My suggestion is... That kind of like go back to all your beliefs about yourself. And you did it publicly, kind of like confronting who you're supposed to be versus here I am. And this is my story. And like doing the same thing for your personal life, like writing a list of 25 freaking reasons why Christy Buckley is an amazing woman to date. Oh, I love that. I need to believe those things in order to say. And it starts with writing. And then if you want to take a challenge, you know, if you want to yeah. just like read, look, you wake up and you just look at this list and look at this list. And it's not just about you and how amazing you are, but also what do you have to offer to your yeah. partner? Like you obviously, you stop drinking, like you more present, you more mm-hmm. present. You're not trying to escape. You've been through a lot. You rediscovered yourself. You're following yeah. your dreams. You're changing people's lives. This is pretty incredible. Aw, I love it. I am going to do that. You I have post to do it online because I can't <laughs> not do it. <laughs> Everything has to be shared. No, I'm kidding. The more you read it, the more you believe it. And no, then I love that. Just believing that you're a gift because I think everybody who knows you, Christy, we mm. will tell you, Christy, you are a gift. Oh, I'm going to cry on your broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thank you so much. Oh. I think, you know, as women, we always, it's insane, right? As women, we yes. always like, oh, I need to go color my hair and then I can go on a date. I need to lose 20 pounds and then I, and then I, and the list is so long. Well, listen, people, mm-hmm. like it's such just such irrelevant things. You know, you can wait all your life, but by the time you lose 20 pounds, you're 82 years old. And then you're like, okay, well, that was silly. You know, <laughs> what yeah. was I thinking? 
If you are going to do a survey, like my friend who is size four, she thinks that she needs to lose 20 pounds. I said, do you want me right now? I'm a sociologist. I can go out there in the restaurant and do a survey of the restaurant people and ask them if they will date a woman who is size four. Is that what you want me to do? Please promise you for once and for all, you're going to stop complaining. This is a bad. So whatever is holding you back, like your little blockers, Mm -hmm. you can challenge your friends to be like, do you know like how many men would love just to be around a stand-up comic who doesn't dream, yeah. who changes lives? It's amazing. Do they want that? <laughs> they should tell do, me. Do you want me to do a survey? <laughs> I do, actually. That would help. No. Um, the biggest thing with dating that I've struggled with I know this isn't really the podcast. This is my old podcast. I used to have a relationships podcast called Empty Girlfriend. But the thing is like a lot of men want to be a comic, like a stand-up comedian. And so they don't, I, it gets confusing between whether they like what I do or they like me and wish they could do it or if they like me. So that's been one of my bigger struggles um, in dating for sure. Yes, I agree. But you also need to understand that your superpower is, mm-hmm. what's your superpower? Uh, it's getting people to talk about their vulnerabilities and open up. And, and, and just, yeah, and open up and have fun. Yeah. So if you like such like guarding your superpowers, like, sorry, this is my business. Mm-hmm. I'm only using my superpower for my business. You cannot have a piece of it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I want him to like, I don't even, yeah, yeah, I know you're right. I can't hide my superpower, but <laughs> uh, it's so tricky though. It's so tricky because of the hierarchy in comedy. I wish there wasn't as much of one, but there is like this hierarchy of, uh, in comedy and yeah, it's just hard to, I didn't even think about it. And then I do feel like I got used for that reason. And so it has messed with my trust. I think it's fair to say, listen, if you're an aspiring comic, I'm not your coach. You know, this is what I do for a living. I don't do it in personal life. But if you're just the person who is genuinely interested, you know, if you if you Mm -hmm. love humor and want to go to comedy shows like that's perfectly fine. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I I hope they like comedy. I hope they're even funny. Like I can't even be with somebody who can't like joke with me, but I just don't want them to get on stage. (laughs) Also. Or they can, but just not as a stand-up. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And don't create competition. The competition is fierce already. Let me tell you, how many comedians are in Denver, Colorado? It's a lot. And partly that's my fault. I'm so sorry. And what are you? People always always come up to me and they're like, you're making so many comedians. Why? And I'm like, stop, stop. I promise that there's a lot of people that I stopped from doing comedy because I gave them a realistic picture of how much work it was. So I also have sent some away, I promise. Got you. And your new students now, what are you seeing, like, as far as like gender division, men versus women? Um, My students, man, I did a breakdown recently for a grant. I was. Um, Jane, I think 45% of my students were female and close to 20% were LGBTQ and 15% were people with disabilities. As far as I know, I'm sure there was more, but those are just the ones I knew about. And so, and though that is a huge difference from, I think that like, so at Comedy Works, if you break down their pro list, well, they have passed. I think that it's 12% women on their list. 
and like 3% LGBT, there's only one LGBTQ person on the list at Comedy Works and people with disabilities, it's me and Josh, it's me and Josh. So ours is like 3%, 6% or whatever. So as far as those demographics go, like, I feel like I'm changing that drastically. And it's been awesome to watch. Um, when I started comedy, there was literally like 10 females in this whole city tops. And so, and I don't think there was necessarily less comedians than there are now. So it just shows you like how the demographics change. And it really was very much like, A, they didn't require a woman to be on the show, but if there was a woman on the show, there was only one woman on the show. So those women that were there, they became your competition, not your like cohort. So yeah. I've, uh, I've wanted to use this to change those demographics a ton, which has been awesome. And you did it. You did it. And you are doing it. Did. You did, did it. Yeah. Yes, I'm excited. Amazing. Yeah. I'm excited to see as I keep going and they actually start like getting good enough to, I mean, it's already happening. People getting on high planes or people running shows or people getting on the list at Comedy Works and climbing that list. Like I'm just excited to see, I feel like I'm planting all these seeds and I just can't wait to see everybody. It all bloom. It's actually my retirement plan. I really need one of my students to get like theater famous and let me open for you in my old age, please. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Christy, this has been such a beautiful, lighthearted, optimistic conversation. And we learned that you shall never forget that hope, it's your tool. It's your defense mechanism. And that if you live your authentic life, if you allow yourself to be you, if you believe in yourself, then all of a sudden your life becomes more vibrant. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to write as far as the only place I lack belief in myself is in the romantic realm. So I'm definitely going to write that list. And you're going to read it every day. The month month of May, every day you read your list of 25 reasons. On June 1st, I'm going to check in with you. Okay, sounds good. I promise I will do it. (laughs) How can our listeners connect with you on social, find out about your classes? Where should they go? My handle on everything is Kabuksy, C-A-B-U-C-H-S-Y. And then uh, you can go to Rise Comedy to check out my classes coming up. I have an all-women's class, like an intensive in June I'm really excited about. And then my website is not up to date. We'll report back on that. And just hit me up uh, over social media if you have any questions about the classes or anything like that. Or if you want any sort of coaching in this realm, love to do it. I do one-on-one coaching as well. So hit me up and laugh at myself when you see it, please. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. And we'll make sure that we have Christy's profile on vibrantlifeunlocked.com. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Vibrant Life Unlocked. Submit your questions and explore free resources at vibrantlifeunlocked.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and review it on your favorite podcast platform, as well as connect on social at Vibrant Life Unlocked. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.